Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. Caroline, why don't we start things off with a bit of news. All right. It's not new news by now. Uh, Old news? I think semi-new news? Yeah, May news. People who don't frequently keep up with the news will maybe not have heard about it. Yes. Here we go. News for the underinformed. <laughs> so uh, today we are talking about whether or not a pill can cure obesity and the, in quotes, obesity epidemic that has been sweeping the United States, uh, because an FDA advisory committee recently recommended that the agency approve not one, but two anti-obesity drugs. Yeah, it starts with Cunexa. Uh, back in February, the committee gave a thumbs up to that drug, which is made by Vivas or Vivas. It's a drug company. Mm-hmm. It's called Vivis. It's pronounced, yeah. Anyway, uh, this is also, there's Lorcaserin. Brand name would be Lorkes. Mm-hmm. And that is another drug to treat obesity, both of which had previously been rejected after they submitted studies to this advisory committee. And they were like, no, we're not convinced that you won't kill people. Yeah, for instance, uh, Lorkes was initially red-lighted because the medication seemed to only... Uh, provide modest weight loss, and there were also some studies linking it to mammary tumors in rats. And so the drug companies went back, they did more studies, they did more tweaking, and came back again, and the FDA advisory committee is like, all right, you know, put it through, um, put it, pushing it closer to getting these drugs on the market. And just on a side note, just getting that advisory committee green light is such a financial boon mm-hmm. for these companies. Um, right after Lorcas announced that, or I guess Arena Pharmaceuticals that produced Lorcas announced that the FDA advisory committee, committee had given it the thumbs up, shares of uh, its stock skyrocketed 80% immediately. Well, I mean, I can see that because, you know, there have been, and we'll get into this, but there have been so many attempts at successful obesity drugs that help you lose weight 
and don't actually weaken your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there is something, a promising drug to treat an epidemic that is very widespread. That right. could potentially make a lot of money for a lot of people. Absolutely. And there's also the money that goes into all of these clinical trials mm-hmm. uh, that the pharmaceutical fun- uh, companies have to fund. But kind of in the back of my mind, I'm always a little wary of all of those hundreds of millions of dollars that are going into these drugs because of the potential to earn money. But my skepticism aside, um, according to Forbes magazine, Lorkest, and this is now, we're talking in 2012, not 2010 when the FDA uh, initially put the brakes on it. Lorkest helps people lose on average 3% more weight than diet alone. Um, and will also increase the percentage for people who lose 5% of their body weight. So it seems like there's kind of a snowball effect there. The more weight that they're able to lose with medication and uh, dietary changes, Mm -hmm. because doctors always advise that with um, clinically obese people, that they've got to have the, it's not just a magic pill, there has to be nutritional change that goes along with that. And there is more good news, because the senior VP at Arena, the drug company producing Lorcas, says that the cancer they found in these studies is rat-specific. But it's not all good news, uh, because there are some people out there, some medical experts, who still have concerns about possible heart valve problems. Um, There are calls for more cardiovascular tests across the board for any kind of anti-obesity drug, probably because of issues with the now defunct FenFen, which we'll talk about in a minute that um, initially people got excited about because, hey, it's easy to lose weight and it's producing all this extra serotonin in your brain so you feel good while you're doing it. But then down the road, they were like, wait, my heart doesn't work quite right. (laughs) Whoops. And there were also... you know, some potential side effects. Uh, we're still talking about uh, Lorcas of headaches and cognitive problems like the potential for amnesia. But then they might just, you know, forget. Forget that they uh, ever had weight problems. I'm not, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, not. I'm about to argue in favor of amnesia. Well, it. I mean, it sounds like a, you take a pill and you end up on, on a soap opera. Yeah, you end yes. up thin with amnesia. <laughs> um, but yeah, Kristen just mentioned that there are more tests being called for for these types of medications. And back in March, an FDA advisory committee voted to require clinical trials to ensure that obesity drugs do not cause heart attacks. And this sort of caused an argument because some people were saying that this would actually discourage people because it's a very expensive process to go back and do all these tests over and over again. And a lot of tests are performed from the beginning anyway. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people were saying that this added cost, added time would discourage people from developing uh, certain obesity drugs. But then other people are like, hey, shouldn't we err on the side of caution anyway? Yeah, I mean, and that's okay. So we with this issue of whether or not we uh, like a pill can cure in quotes obesity. um, There are two big things to talk about. What a what kind of problem are we talk about talking about? Um, like what, what is the scope of obesity right now and what might happen if some kind of medication does not get on the market that can cause some significant changes? Um, and also why has it been so difficult to find some kind of anti-obesity medication? So first up, 
Let's talk about just plain stats on obesity. And we're talking about the adult population right now. We're not talking about childhood obesity. Um, th- some Duke researchers, this was reported in Slate and USA Today, some Duke researchers project that the percentage of Americans who are severely obese, which would be a 100 or more pounds overweight, I'm sorry for metric system listeners right now. I don't I don't have that those... That kilogram conversion. No, sorry. Or stones. I wish you knew how many stones <laughs> that was. But uh, for severely obese people, the they're projected to nearly double to 11% of the population by 2030 if we continue in the path that we are on. And they project that 42% of the population may end up being obese by 2030, which is up from the rate of 36% in 2010. And if we were to just keep at that level of 36%, and not not hit those those rising levels. Just just staying plateaued right where we are. Uh, the Duke study co-author Justin Trogden says that the United States alone would save more than five hundred and forty nine point five billion dollars in weight related medical expenditures through twenty. 30. That's insane. And just on another side note, since we're talking about billions of dollars, the U.S. weight loss industry is now estimated at roughly $60 billion. There's so much money everywhere in this conversation. <laughs> there is. A, people are willing to do almost anything to lose weight, except sometimes work out. Yes. This episode is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242-424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Um, but that's okay. Uh, the projected increased rate of obesity, this whole thing with the Duke research, that means that 32 million more obese people will show up within two decades. Mm-hmm. Show up to the party. Yeah, and... Um, 
the Duke researchers were trying to figure out the factors that might be going into this forecasting. And they're looking at things like the unemployment rate, prices of fast food, alcohol, and fuel. And if you're thinking about the price of fuel, that ties into this sedentary culture that we live in right now. I mean, I just thinking about myself, like I take public transit to work Mm -hmm. and I still sit constantly. I actually took public transit yesterday and had a woman lying on me almost. So, um <laughs> I'm sorry that was me. <laughs> I was tired. I was standing, so it was pretty impressive. That's uh, also my yoga. <laughs> um well, I think it, it is important to ask the question of how how accurate are these projections and Slate did ask that question. Um they might be a little high, but they're they're actually pretty accurate. Scarily enough, uh, they point out that in 2003, the CDC predicted that the 2010 rate of obesity would be 40% of Americans, and that was pretty close to the actual rate of 35.7. And we do have to take into account that forecasting like this hasn't been around forever. It's not like we've been tracking obesity rates and predicting them mm-hmm. for more than just about a decade. Yeah, which is uh, surprising because we hear about mm-hmm. obesity and just weight in general all the time. I feel like we're constantly inundated with information about how to either how we're getting fatter or how to lose all of that fat. It's one or the other. Um, and But it really hasn't been around that long because it was only in 1994 that the Institute of Medicine published a study saying that obesity should be perceived as a chronic condition like hypertension and recommended that doctors use extended drug therapy or surgery to treat it. It was a complete shift in mindset from just saying, hey, you know, you should just go, you know, diet, exercise to actually... Uh, pathologizing Mm -hmm. weight. Um, And Scientific American looked into why in that time from 1994, when we had that shift in the medical community and the perception of obesity and then the rising rate of obesity, um, just to give you an idea, the rates of obesity were stable from 1960 to 1980, around 15% of the population. And then jumped in the 1980s and 90s and hit 32% in 2000. And meanwhile, doctors have tried to develop some kind of anti-obesity drugs, but it has not been an easy thing to do. No, definitely not. So a 2004 Cornell University study looked at obesity drugs, their success, who is using them, and they looked at nine FDA-approved obesity treatment drugs in particular that were around uh, between 1996 and 2001, and those were Adipex, Tenuate, Adipost, Didrex, or Didrex, I don't know if these names are getting silly, Mazinor, Pondimin, Redux, Meridia, and Zinical. Whew, that got easier towards the end. And if those don't ring many bells for listeners, that's because I think Zinical is the only one of these drugs that you can even still purchase. Yeah, exactly. Um, they, they, they tended to have quite a few side effects. Yeah. And <laughs> Least of which was losing weight. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, there was no significant weight loss with many of these. Um, they they definitely worked to suppress appetite, but they also tended, you know, to kind of modify your central nervous system neurotransmission. So the side effects could definitely be fatal mm-hmm. in some instances, and could have crazy things happen to your heart, your your mood, your memory, all sorts of things. And so there's Finfin, which we should talk about. Yes. Which my mother actually took Finfin. And let me just tell you how upset she was. Not about the news about the heart. She was just 
really angry she had to stop taking it. Probably because she was going to have a serotonin come down. But tell tell the people, <laughs> tell the kind people out there about the heart valve. Yeah, FinFin was pulled from the market in 97 because it damaged heart valves, which we've mentioned is a side effect of some of these things. And it was a, co- a combination of pondamin or fenfluramine, which releases extra serotonin, like Kristen said, and the stimulant fentermine. So you, you've kind of got some ups and downs going here. Yeah, it was essentially uh, like a, a drug cocktail, an OTC cocktail, over-the-counter cocktail that um, doctors like, oh, hey, here we go. We can just balance these scales and just lose that weight. But apparently it was tougher on the heart, and the pharmaceutical company has since had to pay lots of money yeah. to folks for very expensive surgeries. Yeah, well, the same year that FinFin was yanked off the market, Meridia launched, and it was effective in weight loss, pretty effective. 46% of people lost 10% or more of their body weight in clinical trials, which is significantly more than what we cited for uh, Larkes over here, which mm-hmm. was 3% and 5%. Um, but it affected the heart rate and was withdrawn in 2010. And now it's starting to make sense why... Uh, these medical experts have recently come out saying, hey, we need cardiovascular tests. They must be rigorous because all of these uh, former anti-obesity drugs end up being pulled because of heart-related issues. Yeah. And then we have Zenical, which Kristen points out, points out as one of the few names that I actually recognize. That launched in 1999 and had the not insignificant side effects of oily stools and flatulence. So, God help you if you were taking Zinical and eating Olestra chips. Well, that's the thing. Uh, if you regulated your diet and had a very low-fat diet and Zinical, you'd be fine. But if you decided to splurge and have a, a parfait or some French fries, then you'd have a... Well, you'd have oily stools. I'll just leave it at that. Right. Well, that's because your body isn't absorbing it or, or digesting it. It's right. just passing... The fat is just passing right through you. And I'm glad you mentioned Olestra chips because uh, Frontline over PBS uh, did an in-depth story on the Fenfen craze and essentially how, you know, in 1994, we have, you know, the studies coming out saying that we need to treat obesity. Obesity is becoming a problem Mm -hmm. and people start getting aware of it and we want to lose this weight. And by we, I mean, I'm talking more specifically about Americans, but we don't really want to change our lifestyles necessarily. And so you have all of a sudden this bonanza of low fat junk food. Mm -hmm. This is when brands like Snackwells come up and make bukus of money because you can still eat cookies because they're just fat free. Or my favorite product, uh, which I remember when it first came out, I was I was pretty pumped about it. Because I liked potato chips, but it was those Olestra chips, which really did taste like normal potato chips, but they were fat-free. Um, but if you ate too many, you would be on the toilet for quite a while because those fats just slide right through. This episode is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. 
With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242-424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Well, we we had all of that stuff in my house because my dad had a heart attack in 1995. So that's like right at the peak of all this healthy junk food coming out and it's like i know it's really hard dieting is a lifestyle change yeah and it's hard to all of a sudden go from you know eating kind of tasty junk food to being told you need to just stick to fruits and vegetables basically so we those weird snack foods definitely aided his transition and also we have to you know acknowledge things like thyroid problems and other uh, genetic problems that might make it harder for you to lose weight or impossible for you to lose weight. And if we're talking about obesity as well, the it's not a snap of the fingers, hop on a treadmill, because, you know, there are health problems that could, or health risks that could even go along with intensive exercise. So the, you know, plenty of doctors have stressed the need for some kind of anti-obesity drug, which does seem like a much better alternative to uh, poop chips. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but this Cornell study uh, looked at who exactly is taking this medicine. And it's kind of surprising because basically they found that the people who really should be taking it, the severely obese population, only 1.3% of those people who meet the medical criteria are taking the medicine. 41% of those taking anti-obesity drugs don't meet the medical criteria for their use. So that mm-hmm. means that for every 2.29 people, so like two tall people and a short person maybe, uh, taking for, for every 2.29 people taking such a drug who meet the criteria, another person using it doesn't. And we should also emphasize, we probably should have said this earlier in the podcast, we're talking specifically about prescription anti-obesity pills, not right. over-the-counter pills if you are you know, trying to drop a few pounds before, um, I don't know, a uh, high school Wedding? reunion. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and we should also say, too, that the Cornell study pointed out that whether or not someone has prescription drug coverage with health care insurance will also make a difference because those who do are 57% more likely than those without coverage to use anti-obesity drugs. Because I can imagine if these are, you know, there are not generics of these kinds of drugs and they're probably pretty expensive. So we haven't talked about gender yet in mm-hmm. the podcast, but if we're talking about weight loss 
as you can imagine, there is plenty of gendered information out there. Yeah, according to the National Health and Nutrition Examination Study from in 2001-2002, more men than women were overweight or obese, um, but it looks like more women are actually taking these prescription anti-obesity drugs. Mm-hmm. Once again, citing that Cornell study from 2004, women are, how about this, 181% more likely to use anti-obesity drugs. And it is probably because women tend to be more motivated to lose weight than men are. Because, well, A, we've talked about before in the podcast how... Physiologically, it is harder for women to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Men can drop pounds quicker because of the muscle mass, etc. Um, according to a 2011 Gallup poll, 73%, 73% of American women have attempted to lose weight an average of seven times compared to 55% of men who have attempted to lose weight an average of four times. That's a, that's a huge gap. It is a huge gap, and yet women are actually less likely, according to that Gallup poll, to cite exercise Mm -hmm. uh, as helping them lose weight. Eating the the poop chips. Oh, God. You've got... God. Sorry. <laughs> you brought up Alestra. I did. It is my fault that you called them poop chips. Um, there are other factors that Cornell looked at uh, in looking at who is taking these prescription obesity drugs. Um, they controlled for whether the survey respondents met the medical criteria for using these drugs and found that African Americans were only 42% as likely as whites to use them. Yeah, and uh, with Hispanics, they were only 71% as likely as whites to use the drugs. So even if, let's say, those two drugs we talked about at the top of the podcast, Lorcas and Cunexa, get the green light, they end up on the market. The question is going to be whether or not they actually get into the hands of the population that medically could benefit from them. Right. So that's a big question that we've got to ask. Um, and also in the meantime... There are all these over-the-counter diet pills that I'm sure everyone has seen in drugstores or on advertisements promising to lose weight quickly, and we don't need to go too in-depth on it, except to say that, really, take the... Well, don't take them, but I'm saying take the advertisements with a grain of salt. Yeah, and uh, like in uh, for Ally, for instance, that over-the-counter diet pill, mm-hmm. they they encourage you in the ad to make it part of a healthy diet and exercise because you know we've already talked about the poop chips. Ally is just Orlistat, yeah, all over again, but it, in a reduced strength version. And so the Mayo Clinic uh, basically tells you that uh, bowel changes will result from the undigested fat moving through your system. So eat that low-fat diet if you're taking an over-the-counter pill like Ally. Because it ends up decreasing the absorption of some vitamins. Yeah, yeah. So you'll need to take those supplements um, as well. And, of course, the Mayo Clinic urges you to talk to your doctor first. And remember, there are no quick fixes when it comes to popping a pill to lose some weight. Generally, the first course of action is changing the diet and Mm -hmm. exercise. With all of these drugs that we have talked about, there's repeated mention of the prescription along with the nutritional counseling to make sure that you're eating 
more healthily. Yeah, and who's to say that in the future we won't have a really successful diet drug, one that doesn't cause heart problems, helps you lose weight, and doesn't make you poop all the time. Right. Um, in 2010, Scientific American actually pointed out that obesity drugs in the future could be a replacement for weight loss surgery, which, although it is successful for a lot of people, it is pretty dangerous. Mm-hmm. So if we end up with a really good, successful, relatively healthy diet drug, oh, anti-obesity drug, you know, maybe that could help with the surgery stuff. Yeah, I mean, it seems like from what the the doctors who are seeing all of these patients are saying, yes, we need some kind of medical treatment in a, you know, to as an alternative to something like gastric bypass surgery, but uh, it's it's hard to figure out how to do that without endangering our our hearts mm-hmm. and our brains and our bodies. Yeah. So, with that, first of all, I apologize to listeners for the excessive use of the phrase poop chips. <laughs> and I think I deserve an apology, too. <laughs> and I apologize to you, too, <laughs> Caroline. Uh, and I will now ask for your, for your feedback. What do you think about um, these anti-obesity drugs? Do you think the FDA should be more careful? Do you think that they should actually speed up the process, get these things on the market? Um, and also advertisements for over-the-counter diet pills, stuff like that. I don't know. Let us know your thoughts. Momstuff at discovery.com is where you can send your letters. In the meantime, we've got a couple here from some older episodes. My first email here from Nicole is in regard to our long ago podcast on gender segregated education. She writes, I went to an all-girls Catholic high school. At that age, being in an all-girls class was great, mostly because I was so shy. It really helped me build confidence. Plus, there were less distractions in the classroom. We never had much trouble finding dates. You guys mentioned that girls may be more awkward around guys since they wouldn't have as much experience socializing with them. Totally not true. After high school, I went to college to get a degree in civil engineering. So I had class with a lot of guys and almost all of my professors were guys. Sometimes I was the only girl in class, but I got used to it very quickly and it wasn't too awkward. It was actually quite nice. Since you're the only girl, the guys tend to remember you. So occasionally at a house party, I got to cut the keg line and even scored a few free beers at the bar. My housemates were a little jealous that the nerdy girl knew so many guys. It's always nice to cut a keg line. (laughs) It is. That's what I always say. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, this is an email from Hannah about the midwife episode. She said, I just finished listening to your episode on doulas and midwives and thought I'd pipe in with my story, even if I'm a year late. I gave birth eight months ago and had both a midwife and a doula. I also delivered at a birthing center. And I can say from experience that having both was the most important thing I ever did. I am considered low income and my doula decided to provide her services free of charge. And it was because of her that I had an unmedicated, i.e. natural birth. This woman had no painkillers. At the times when I was overcome, it was her soothing voice that kept me going. After I gave birth, there were some complications. I had hemorrhaging. My midwife not only kept a cool head, but also didn't just wait around until the medics came. She acted quickly and ended up saving my life. However, when I was transferred to the hospital, my midwife was able to stay. My doula was told she had to leave. I was pretty out of it at the time, so I didn't know what was going on. After I came out of my days, I was so furious that a hospital which claims to be very woman-centered with the best obstetrics around didn't have enough respect to allow my doula to stay. Perhaps doulas are seen as pushy and nonconformist, but mine isn't and is the sweetest, most gentle woman I know. We are still in contact, and I count her as a friend. So thanks to everybody who's written in. Momstuff at discovery.com is where you can send your letters. 
You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. And if you would like to see what we're up to during the week, you can head over to our website. It's HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X visit tomboyx.com.